1: Hello and welcome back, creators. This is episode 68 of the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. My name is Dusty, the host of this wonderful show. If you haven't already, go on over to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever you consume your podcasting content, slap that subscribe button. That way, every single Wednesday, when we release a new episode, you will be updated and you can listen to it and consume it right then and there. Uh, Again, guys, thank you so much for making this show what it is today, 68 episodes in, and we're just getting started. I do want to remind you guys, this show, as always, is brought to you by the fine folks over at TubeBuddy, T-U-B-E-B-U-D-D-Y. It is a free browser plugin that can help make your life easier. Um, I am testing, and so are a bunch of other TubeBuddy enthusiasts, a new feature called VideoLytics, or Video Video Analytics, which basically every time you pull up a video from yourself or a competitor on the right-hand side of the page now, you're going to get in-depth analytics of the that video from TubeBuddy. Guys, it has been so helpful. And that's just one of the many amazing features that TubeBuddy is going to have and has currently. So if you haven't already, click the link in the show notes, download TubeBuddy. I promise you, I call it my secret weapon for YouTube content creation. You will not regret it. Also, we've had a new sponsor the past few episodes and they're staying on long-term. I'm so excited about that. The guys over at Audio Hero. It's like a Netflix for royalty-free music and sound effects for your content. Have you ever thought, "Oh man, I need some music for this video, but I'm worried about it getting copyright flagged or I don't want it to get taken down because of copyright music?" Guys, go over to audiohero.com. Again, the Netflix for royalty-free music, over 250,000 tracks and sound effects to choose from for as little as 10 bucks a month. You can download 50 different tracks per month, all royalty free, and you can use on your content forever. There's not an end date. So go check them out. Audiohero.com. This week's interview is with Mr. Lon Seidman, the first return guest uh, on the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. But the reason why I wanted to bring him back on the show is because Lon, since I've interviewed him last time, has made the transition from YouTube hobbyist to now he is a YouTube creator full time. So I wanted to talk to him About the process of transitioning from a you know side hustle as YouTube being his side deal to now YouTube being his full focus. So we talk about that. We also talk about getting products to review on your channel. Um, and he's got some really great insight on how you can do that very cheaply, uh, even if you don't have a lot of money to invest in the beginning, uh, and so much more. If you're a YouTube creator and you want help with anything on YouTube, I think this interview is going to be valuable to you. Again, don't don't forget to go to the website if you got a question, click the link on the sidebar there, record your question and you could be featured on next week's episode. Go over to iTunes, wherever you consume your content and please leave us a review whether it's positive or negative and I will give you a shout out on next week's episode. Thank you guys as always and let's jump into this week's conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the conversation for this week's episode. Um, I actually actually believe, as I uh, started to think about this episode this week, that this is the first returning guest we have uh, on the YouTube Creator Sub podcast. So um, I would like for all of you guys here in the community to give a warm welcome, even though I know you can't literally, but uh, figuratively, as you're listening to this, give a warm welcome back to Mr. Lon Seidman, where on his YouTube channel, Lon.tv, he gives a Honest, concise gadget reviews. He helps you try before you buy. Lon, how are you doing today? I'm good. I feel the warmth, even though I, you know, it's, it's just, there's a vibe. Wonderful. Wonderful. That is what I want here on the uh, YouTube Creators Hub podcast. Now, Lon, since the last time we spoke, as I just mentioned to you off air, you have since gone full time with this whole YouTube thing. So we will touch on that later on in the interview, but just briefly, how has that been?
0: It's been great. You know, it's, it's been more, um, about my personal sanity than anything else, because I'm sure you've, you've experienced this also where, uh, you, you know, you, you start hitting your stride with your YouTube channel and you want to work more on it. And, uh, I had a full-time job and two kids, uh, and I said, yeah, I'm killing myself. Uh, and what's been great about the last two months is like, I'm just into my second month now, uh, has been that I've been able to keep up the pace that I had before, but I'm, getting my nights and weekends off. And that's been a real, um, a real plus cause I can work on this stuff during the day, which I couldn't do before.
1: Yeah. And that's, that is important. And it does show in your content, right? Because what happens is you're able to spend more time with your family. Your family's happier. You're able to get more sleep. So, you know, you're not doing this as just a side hustle. You're doing this and you're able to invest the working, the, the normal people's working, uh, you know,
0: hours into this job. So uh, it definitely comes through in your content. Wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, and and also when I'm I'm not happy with the way something came out, I'll do the takeover again. Whereas before, I would have just said, you know what? It's three o'clock in the morning. Let's just go with it. <laughs> so uh, That's been good. I think the the breaking point for me was um was kid number two, uh, and what was. Intriguing about you know the the whole family dynamic is that you know having a second kid is an exponential increase in in commitment which is you know the, my, my most important commitment in life is my family so I, something had to give and I was fortunate that the my finances were were at a place where I could I could make the leap here and and not starve the family so that is uh, thankfully I'm very lucky that I was able to do it
1: yes I only have one kid at the moment definitely uh, hope that uh, that we're able to have another one in the future but I can definitely see how uh, adding another other little rug rat uh, could definitely change my life even more dramatically than having the first one. So uh, as we all love our families, being able to spend more time with them is definitely a good thing. Now, the reason why I have brought Lon on again is to talk about a specific topic. And today, uh, well, one of the main topics that I want to talk about with Lon today is basically as YouTube changes, and as of late, YouTube has been making a lot of changes, Lon. Uh, as you and I both know as full-time creators, and as the people listening to this probably already know, uh, YouTube is always changing their algorithm. They are always changing up the, uh, it seems like the layout of their design, which is going to be something that rolls out here in the very near future. If you don't know that, I have some videos uh, over on my YouTube channel on that. Also, also they are always changing where tools are and, and things like that, which is one of the reasons I love using TubeBuddy. Uh, although they are a partner of the show, they I always know where stuff is uh, when I use TubeBuddy. So, Lon, my first question to you is this. Being a YouTuber that does this full-time now, and just a YouTuber in general, so not even coming at this as a full-time creator, but knowing what YouTube does and knowing that they are a external platform and that you obviously don't need to solely rely on them, how are you able to pivot and to, and to change
0: and to make those necessary changes as YouTube evolves? Well, you know what's funny? I think I'm fortunate in the sense that I never approached my channel as one where I'm trying to... Uh, grow a subscriber base necessarily. So I, I certainly am focused on subscribers now And I think we talked a little bit about this last time that uh, a large part of what I do because I'm reviewing technology products that are uh, commodity items essentially in the sense that people are out searching for information on a product they're looking to purchase and uh, That's how people eventually find me. So about about probably about 75 to 80 percent of my traffic now is just search and algorithm Which is crazy, right? Um, but it it's It's funny, though, that as the subscriber base grows, that percentage has been uh, growing slowly as far as the subscriber views versus the uh, algorithm views. But by and large, I have been an algorithmic commodity on the platform. So a lot of what I've been doing has been producing content that feeds the algorithm in, in many cases. So I made some decisions early on to not cover certain types of products because they were not being searched as heavily as products that I'm kind of reviewing now, which are a lot of the low cost PCs and uh, things that have a, a greater um, presence out there amongst consumers, and uh, that was a conscious decision because the algorithm was not working for me <laughs> when I started. Um, the other thing I think I'm fortunate with is that I'm not doing entertainment content. Uh, so a lot of what I am doing is in a industry that is, um, you know, I would say a very successful industry: consumer electronics and technology. It kind of drives the world right now. So there's a lot of um, advertising revenue. Uh, out there for this industry, and I, I think I'm in a safer place because I don't cover topics that are not family friendly on, on my show. And I'm actually very cautious to uh, not do things like swear on camera uh, or use language that might, you know, get you into a place where you could be demonetized, for example. And I've been doing that from the get go. And yes, it's not good for creatives to be limited like that, but. Uh, for what I do, because it's not necessarily all that creative, um, I th- I think I'm in a in a safer place, and I haven't seen a decline in revenue uh, like other people are talking about. So I've been pretty steady, and my my numbers are, have been pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, and how important is it as a creator to keep in touch with what YouTube is doing and what the platform is doing, and reading the the YouTube blogs and the the YouTube creator stuff that they're releasing, letting us know what they're doing with the algorithm, what they're doing, you know, since the apocalypse or whatever people want to call it. Like, how how important is it as a creator? How much of that stuff are you consuming?
0: Oh, everything, um, because I'm, I'm always making sure. Cause again, so I'm so t- tied to the algorithm that I, need, I really need to know exactly what it is that the algorithm wants. <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of crazy. Here I am, the human serving the, the tech, the computer, right, the computer mind. Um, but that's really critical. There is a channel. I don't know if you've heard about this channel called Creator Insider. I have heard about it. Yes. So I would point people to that. And this is like, like this stealth YouTube operation where this guy, uh, Tom here, he actually works at YouTube. And he's been kind of peeling the layers back a little bit on how things work inside of their inside of their uh, company. And it looks like he's working on something related specifically to search and algorithm results right now, because he's been asking on his community page about that, like what people want to see. So I would strongly suggest people look at that. But, um, yeah, you have to be on top of this thing. And you know what? The other thing is, is that you've really got to be mindful of what advertisers, big advertisers are looking for insofar as the platform is concerned, because if you're doing something that got caught up in the demonetization thing, um, this is a long time coming. You know, if, I think the advertisers were aware of the fact that their stuff was probably showing on, um, on objectionable quote unquote content, Uh, but the the agencies knew that they were buying audience. But I think the advertisers are worried about brand safety. So if you have a a production that is not going to be brand safe and really look at it from the standpoint of, you know, would Coca-Cola or Starbucks put an ad next to this if I was on TV? If the answer is no to that question, then you need to start looking for other revenue sources because this, this is... You will not have you know that brand safety is now into this built into the system. <laughs> so um it wasn't before, but now it is. And if you're not brand safe, then you need to start looking for other uh, means here because this is a, you know this is basic economics. You know people don't want to um, purchase things that are not going to help their brand. and it's it certainly shifts the supply and demand as a result. And uh, you know nobody's entitled to anything on this platform. So you really need to be directing your content to, where you will find revenue if that is your goal. And if the revenue is not coming through the passive means, which is the AdSense system, then you need to go out and find advertisers that want to do some native advertising on your channel.
1: Yeah, and Lon, we've thrown around the word algorithm a lot uh, on this podcast so far. Maybe can you, if you don't mind, expand a little bit about the YouTube algorithm and maybe some insight on what you look for whenever they're releasing new updates with the algorithm
0: to make sure that your content doesn't get left behind? Yeah, the the hard thing is, is that YouTube doesn't tell you anything really on as far. I don't think they know how their algorithm works, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah. I do know from my own my own consumption that it's often putting things I want to see in front of me. But uh, what I have been going on as far as my, you know, my own um, uh, strategy here, and this is partly based on what my uh, uh, my YouTube uh, my person. We have we have people at YouTube when you hit a certain size that, that you keep in touch with and they do a channel overview every every six or eight months. And the things that he has told me have been uh, make sure your thumbnails are consistent and and very descriptive of the video itself. Uh, Make sure your titles are clean. Make sure you've got uh, a lot of descriptive text in the description that your tags are up to date, uh, all of those things. And for me, it's very, it's very easy to do that because I'm focusing on one product per video. And so I'm, I'm putting things in my titles that are what people might be searching for. Um, So for example, I just put up a video last night of like this generic uh, tablet that kind of looks like an iPad mini. Um, so what I did for the title here was I put the name of the product first, uh, in the title and then I said, I've had mini alternative in the title just so that it's triggering the things that I think people might be looking for. Um, I occasionally go over to Google trends cause sometimes I have a video where I'm like, I'm not sure how to title this one. So I go to Google trends and I start researching keywords and figuring out what's searched most often. Um, I had one just recently. I I can't remember exactly which one it was, but um, there was one where I I really spent probably a good 25, 30 minutes just kind of digging through Google Trends to find the exact keyword combination that's going to work. Because one of the nice things about being a channel that's so heavily dependent on the algorithm is that I am uh, uh, the videos that I produce don't do as well in the first month as they do over the lifespan of of the video being posted. Whereas a, a, a channel that's more subscriber heavy in its viewership would be the opposite. So, um, so this is the one I just did the other day. I had a uh, device that works with Google voice and I wanted to look for what people out there were looking for in relation to cutting the landline telephone cord. What was the terminology people were using? Um, so landline became a word that I put into the title because that really trended heavily on, on the, uh, the Google trends um, and blocking spam phone calls. Um, and I tried to get all that stuff into the title. (laughs) That's what, that's what drove that decision. So really thinking about what people are thinking about when they're searching. Um, and also thinking about, um, you know, just how to get that title of the video to kind of match that, that query with the right keywords.
1: Yeah, I can definitely resonate with the point you made there. A lot of my content, uh, I would say it may be even higher than yours. Uh, My channel is primarily a tutorial-based channel and also a YouTube educational channel, so I've got a lot of uh, uh, different things on there, but a lot of my videos, 80 to 85% of them, uh, don't really even take off until maybe a month or two after I release the video. Some of them even A great deal longer than that. I've had videos that uh, didn't really explode. I had an Instagram tutorial that I did one time and I've told the story, but basically about 10 months in Instagram contacted me and said, Hey, can we use this on our training page? And I said, sure, I guess. And after that moment, that video just exploded because it began getting a lot of search juice and search traffic and the way the algorithm worked, it kind of took off. So you really have to know your channel. You have to know the audience you're trying to reach and what type of of content you're creating, whereas Lon and I create a lot of reviews, informational content, whatever it may be. Where we need to be thinking, you know, come Christmas time, what are people going to be searching for? Or exactly. come come this specific time, what are going to be these words that people are going to be on their phones and searching for while they're at the the store, maybe at Best Buy or whatever it may be. So you really have to be in tune with your audience and your content. So I did want Lon to touch briefly on the algorithm. Them because I do believe it's important as creators that uh, not only we try to improve. Our videos, our quality, and our consistency and our content, but we also need to understand the platform. We also need to understand YouTube and how it works in the inner workings of YouTube. Uh, and it is a great thing that YouTube provides Lon being able to to reach a certain amount of subscribers or a certain threshold. They then give you someone like Lon mentioned to talk with, and they give you like a channel review or a channel audit, and they look at your channel and they say, "Here's what you could be doing better from the inside point of view." And that's a great thing to know. You kind of get a behind the scenes look of what can I do do to make sure my content is continuing to grow and my channel is not going to become stagnant
0: so uh, and and they give you homework and 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 you have a deadline (laughs) so (laughs) when they they schedule the second call you better have all that stuff done and it's uh it's good though because it pushes you to 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 do that and clearly if somebody at youtube is telling you uh to do x y and z there's a good reason why they're telling you that and um and those things really for me it was getting the thumbnails that was my biggest prior to getting my new my thumbnail things set up um I, i wasn't using thumbnails for a while and You know, just going off whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever it picked. Um, and I branded that and made it more consistent. And I think that's helped a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to transition a little bit away from this, uh, for a minute and ask you
1: one final question on this topic. And that's this, if there's a channel out there, Lon, a smaller channel and you know, they don't have the contact at YouTube yet. They're not to that point yet, but they're, they're seeing their channel grow or maybe it's even stagnant right now. What would be the advice you would give them over the past few months? Now that you're doing this full time, like what would be the advice that you would give them to help them, uh, maybe get out of the rut that they're in or become undiscouraged uh, and, and to continue creating their content.
0: The biggest mistake that I've seen people uh, make, and I, I often get asked by viewers, "Hey, can you look at my channel and tell me what's going on?" Um, first of all, they don't put the right stuff in the titling. Like they're not they're not making their videos search friendly. They're trying to come up with some you know cute or catchy little thing you know that would work if you had a subscriber base, but if you don't, people have to find you. So if you don't tell the if you don't tell the master computer what's in your video, no one's going to find it. So I think that's the uh, the, the first critical piece. The second critical piece is that they need to be on camera. Um, a lot of people just take their phone out and talk behind the camera. Or do some voiceover thing. And that does work to some degree in certain areas. But um, by and large, I think people want to see the face behind the voice. Um, so that's a really uh, important piece. But also, I would say, look at what you're doing. And when I started, I was getting all this this junk from China um, that nobody was searching for. And I was spending time, you know, there were videos I was able to crank, you know, two or three of these things out in a, in a sitting and it was it was good. But um, I wasn't getting the viewership on that stuff as I was on the two hundred dollar PC from HP. And the reason is, is that the $200 PC from HP has a lot of marketing behind it, and a big, you know, brand name company with a huge uh, presence in the retail space. And there was just more consumers aware of that product and looking for it uh, versus people who didn't, you know, know any of these Chinese brands from a hole in the wall. Um, so I completely stopped doing the junk. And and some of the junk was kind of cool, but it was not something that was going to get a lot of viewership. And occasionally a piece of junk will come across my way that I find really intriguing and I want to share it with my audience. And I'm aware of the fact that that, that thing is going to do well with the subscribers on its first go around. And that's going to be it versus the hundred dollar Canon printer that um, gets 2,500 views in the first month. will then, you know, balloons at 150,000 in eight months, <laughs> you know, um, because people are looking for it. So I think you've really got to look at um, how are people getting to your channel And if you are doing things that nobody's searching for, then you're just kind of spinning your wheels. So you really need to divert into an area that, you know, um, is, is more, you know, front of mind for consumers or whoever you're trying to reach and make it searchable. And even in, in, in doing things like entertainment, which is very hard, you know, to get people coming to your comedy show or your, your, your drama or whatever you're producing, um, working products in that can be searchable, I think is a really uh, clever way to get people over to your content because they're not going to find it if if unless you spend a million dollars on marketing otherwise right, right i couldn't agree more now you you mentioned a good bit
1: about the transition you made with your thumbnails something that you did that the the person over at YouTube said that it would be a very beneficial to you and your channel and i can see where you made the transition to the branded thumbnails maybe talk about that transition for a, a minute uh, and and why you think you know they told you to do that and what have you seen
0: as a result of changing and branding your thumbnails Well, I think it it helped in the sense that, you know, I was just kind of going off of whatever I would pick the the thumbnail that had the the product in the shot and I would just upload it. And, um, the problem I, I think happened is that, you know, when you, when you don't have a branded thumbnail, you're kind of blending in with the rest of the woodwork, you know, so now all my thumbnails have a nice yellow band on the side. They've got the logo front and center. Uh, my graphic design skills are not as good as some of the other creators out there, but um, but I think they're working in the sense that I'm showing the product because that really is, the, you know, what the consumer who's searching is looking for. And what's important is that when they're on that um, that video watching it and YouTube has the suggested videos coming up, if you have a consistency to your thumbnail and people like what they're seeing with the video that that they're watching, they'll know that that thumbnail is also from you because it has the same visual um, style and language as the one that they clicked on to begin with. Um, so I think that helps in that it's a, it's a visual consistency, especially when you're getting dropped into the suggested video portion of the thing. And, um, you generally, you know, you don't always get a subscriber on the first video. You might get it on the third or the fourth one. I'll have people saying, yeah, I've been seeing your stuff over the years. I finally decided to subscribe. Um, and, and that's a, you know, it's just a business card. Essentially it's a logo. It's a, it's a, it's a look. And, um, I think when you have that consistency and you'll see all, all the top people out there have some kind of uh, consistency to the design or a logo or, or a character or themselves um, that gives a sense of familiarity to know that this is their video. Yeah, it's the it's
1: what I call the trickle effect where people will watch one of your videos and they see the similar thumbnail and they, they kind of navigate or stumble is what I call it over to one of right. your other videos. And then eventually they're like, hey, I've already watched like three of this guy's videos. Why not subscribe and get updated every time he releases a new piece of content? So uh, I completely agree with that. Now, as far as like stats wise, since you've done that, since you've made the change with your thumbnails and you've branded them, um, a lot of the people who ask me, they're like, Dusty. Go check my channel out. What am I doing wrong? Why am I not growing? and there's obviously a plethora of reasons as to why they're not growing and I try to help them in the most you know constructive way I possibly can but a lot of times with people's thumbnails they they do what you said that you did in the beginning and they just let YouTube pick the best thing you know f- what they think for the video something ra- some random sh- screenshot from within the video have you seen any difference in your stats as far as uh suggested or related videos or have you even dove into that since you've made the change with your
0: thumbnails a little bit. And for me, it's a little tougher just cause I'm so commoditized to begin with, but I, I, I've, I've seen, you know, my, I, my incremental growth f- incremented faster, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, um, I think there is a consistency to it. I get more feedback from viewers. You know what I mean? Like I think it, I think it just, it, it just, again, that consistency is, is important. and Again, the fact that my YouTube guy is like, you got to get your thumbnail straightened out, dude. Um, I, I, you know, kind of led me to, to that conclusion. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I think the last time we talked, I was, you know, under 100,000, and now I'm 137,000 on the subscriber level there. So I think that that branding is really important. And branding is nothing new. It's been Coca-Cola and Pepsi and every other brand has been doing it since the beginning of time, and uh, it works. And every area where you're trying to attract humans to remember you. <laughs> so um, so that's been consistent. So I don't think there's been like a noticeable spike, but I don't know if I'd grow it to the extent that I have without doing it. If There
1: is someone out there, Lon, who's listening to this interview and they're like, man, I would so love to do YouTube full time. What would be your main piece of advice or hesitation? Or what would you tell them now that you've been in this season of your life for a few
0: months doing this now full time creator? What would you tell them. I think it depends on on your age and, and where you're at in life. Um, so for me, it was harder to go full time because I have a house and a family and all this other stuff. I think if I was you know 20 years old again and living in an apartment with roommates, I could totally live off the ad revenue right now. Um, so it, it, really, the most important thing is, is and it's going to sound like some old man talking here, but good financial planning. Um, and you're never too young to do good financial planning. And I think if your objective is that at some point you would like to be a full time content creator, but you're not there yet, um, you're going to have to suffer for a bit to, to get there. I mean, you suffered, I suffered and, and we'll probably continue suffering as, as the algorithm keeps changing. But, um, the fact is, is that I had to put the work in, I had to build up, um, cash in this business. I had to make sure that my personal finances were stabilized. I had, I was fortunate to had a couple of other good things happen that, um, enabled, you know, th- this to happen sooner than I may have otherwise been able to do it. But um, you really need to plan accordingly and, and don't risk the farm <laughs> if you're not uh, able to sustain yourself on on the YouTube revenue, because it's it's um you know, it's a very it's a very unpredictable thing and you need to have some financial stability, especially if you have rent or mortgages or family to take care of. But um, I think you just have to keep with it. And a, a really important thing is to understand that you might think whatever you're doing is great, but if nobody's watching it, then you've got to change. And I think re- recognizing when something is not working, and I've this is my third or fourth foray into some kind of media project. The last three have not worked out. So you need to understand when your failing project is failing, because you can get 500 views on something and think it's succeeding, but is that going to pay the bills? And if it's not, then you got to make the hard decision to say, I really love this, but it's failing. So how do I make a living? And I, and those are often, I think people have a hard time cutting the cord on something that is failing, um, because you don't want to admit that there's a failure, but a good entrepreneur, I think is someone who, um, recognizes failure and looks at it, not as I failed, but looks at it as what have I learned from this that I can now apply to the next thing. And and that's where I went with a lot of what I've been doing is, is through everything that did not work out, I picked up some skills and knowledge that I've put into this.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with what you said there. Definitely sit down and, and make a business plan, Make a, understand where you are financially and what you can do, what you can afford if you're at a different season in your life where maybe you don't have a family. Maybe it's it's a good time to try now and to kind of see where you land and to see if you can do this full time. So uh, in speaking of financially, I guess, you know, one of the final questions I want to ask you today, uh, Lon, is with everything going on, you said your ad revenue didn't. Dip too much during the whole apocalypse thing, and I didn't mind it neither. And I think that uh, it probably hit the bigger YouTubers a lot worse than it did maybe the the middle medium sized creators like myself and yourself. But with all of that being said, what are you doing to to make sure that you can support your family and, and continue to to do this creation thing full time? What are What are you doing to to monetize in, in more creative ways than maybe you were before you went full time?
0: one of the things going full time has been helpful about is that I can spend a little bit of time on business development. So that's, that's what I do in the morning now. Um, when my, my, my brain isn't so sharp in the morning sometimes. So, um, so I'm, you know, focusing on, on things that I can do for a uh, native advertising thing. And, and I, I, I'm very mindful and, and, and careful about how I in- integrate native advertising into what I do because one of the other issues that I think is going to hit next after we get through all this inappropriate content stuff is all the payola that's on the platform. You know, people who are being paid to review products or asking for money to review products and not disclosing it properly to their audience. And that, I think that's going to be the next wave that you're going to see hit here once, you know, th- this other thing dies down. So, um, it, it's going to be harder uh, for people to go over to Famebit bit and just run some, some junk advertising on their, on their channel without, proper disclosure. And now in fairness, Famebit has gotten a lot better about it, but there was a time when they weren't. Um, So, you know, I've been very mindful of that and I've probably not made as much money as I could have because I've said to brands that wanted to pay me to speak favorably about their product that I won't do it. So I I think you need to look at how you can take advertising and do it in such a way that your audience is very clear about how you're doing it. So one of the things that I've been doing has been working with Uh, some mid, mid mid-level brands that have very complex products and doing the tutorial stuff on a a deep dive into a specific feature, you know, and doing those as paid, um, tutorials essentially. And, um, it's been great for me. It's been great for the audience. They know where I'm coming from. They know that these generally, I don't, I don't, I'm almost actually more than generally all the time. I don't take advertising revenue from a product that I I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Right. Um, so it's something that I'm comfortable with as a company and as a brand, as a product. Um, and you know, and doing things that I think are really, um, uh, useful for the audience and have some search value. So there's a long tail to, to the, to the thing. It's harder to get those, those arrangements. So, um, you know, but I am growing slowly and and taking this in stride and just trying to, you know, find the best outfit here. And uh, I think knowing that not jumping at the easy money early is going to pay off later. Um, because if you take the easy money and you become a infomercial channel, that's what you're going to be. And I think you're going to see changes to how YouTube begins its algorithm, changes in that the infomercial channels are going to be deprecated over the ones that are not infomercials.
1: I'm actually very scared. I've done very, very few sponsored videos on my channel. I can actually only think of one that I actually did, and and it was – Again, it was when I was a younger creator, and I didn't know as much as I knew now. I did disclose the information about it, but I'm always very fearful to tell creators, you know, jump into the sponsored video game, especially with tools like FameBit and places like that, and um, I'm not against those, those outlets or those platforms. I think they're a great asset to have as creators, but on the same side of things, kind of like what you said, Lon, it's one of those things to where... If I don't like a product, I want to let my community know because my community trusts me. My community trusts me as a creator, and if I'm on there just filling their head full of fluff just because I want to make a couple of bucks, it really seems, uh, it seems unmoral. You know, it, like like it's just something that my integrity just it does not want to allow me to do. So if you're a creator out there, you know, don't try to get the quick, fast buck. Kind of what what Lon said, and really understand that as a creator, it's your responsibility. To when you promote a product or a service, that you do your due diligence to understand what the product is and what it's going to mean for the for the end user who's using it, and um, you know I get probably two to three emails a day from software companies saying, Hey, can you do a video on my, on my software? And you know, they'll throw some pretty big numbers at me. And a lot of times I'm, you know, depending on where I'm at in my lifeline, I'm like, man, that sounds pretty good. But then I click over and I look at the software and I'm like, this isn't going to help
0: anybody. There's all, there's already a free piece of software that already does this. Um, Exactly. And I think this is the, the key point here is that you need to think about what, what I did and, and this happened over some, some dust up I had with, uh, with an agency and, and, a, and a brand that I felt was acting inappropriately. Um, when, when that occurred, what I decided to do because the agency and the brand were telling me two different things. Right. Um, so what I did at that point is I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put out there on every video, um, exactly how this product got to the channel because it's not reasonable for a a, a YouTuber of of our size to, you know, be able to buy everything that they review. So things will be sent to the channel from a brand. Uh, My preference is that they lend it to the channel, then I can send it back to them. That's the best arrangement for me. Um, But sometimes they don't want it back, but still there's a value to reviewing the product. So, um, you know, telling people upfront, this is how it came to me. I, yes, I got it for free or no, I didn't. It's being loaned to the channel. Um, or I bought it, you know, I mean, you're not supposed to, you don't have to disclose that you bought something, but I do it anyhow. And I uh, kind of laid it out for my viewership to say, here's my ethical standards that I have. Um, so I'm not going to review a product for money and that I'm sure is going to cost me <laughs> money at some point. And it probably already has, but, you know, the question is, do you want to build a brand that your, your own brand that's lasting or do you again want to be an infomercial? So I think that's, that's the thing. And, and if you're very concerned about that and you really want to build a trustworthy, um, uh, channel on YouTube, uh, I think committing yourself to your viewership to say what you will and won't do, uh, is, is a good step because it keeps, it, it keeps, it, it gives you something to measure against when those, those offers come in. What have I told my audience? Well, I told my audience I wouldn't review things for money. So if this brand wants me to review something for money, I can't do it. And it it makes it a lot easier just to say, nope, sorry. You know, if you want to send it to the channel for a review, fine. But you're not going to have the ability to review the content. And I've had a few, you know, big brands say, sorry, we're not doing it that way. It's like, okay, goodbye. And I bought the product and reviewed it anyhow. (laughs) And real briefly, Lon, you've mentioned a couple of ways
1: in our previous episode together. But if there's someone listening to this and they're thinking, man, I'd like to review products or I think I would be a good product reviewer. What are some of the best ways that you've found? Obviously, you know, you've used the Amazon Vine program, as have other creators. But what are other ways
0: that uh, that people can get products to review on their channel and do it the right way? Well, I think, you know, the the the. the thing that I did was when I made this decision to stop doing the, the Chinese junk stuff and, um, I was fortunate to get selected into the vine program. I don't know how anybody does get selected into it cause it's a mystery to everyone that's in it. But, um, that helped because it gave me a baseline of things to start you know, producing against. But, um, what I decided to do after that, um, the Chinese stuff wasn't working out. I said, you know what? I need to, there's stuff that I wanted to get on the channel It's so tiny. Nobody wanted to give me the time of day. I said, you know, what? I'm just gonna go out and buy this stuff and anything I'm not going to keep. I'm just going to resell. So I'll get some of that money back. You know, so there's a cost of doing business here, which is that you're going to lose a little bit on buying and reselling. Uh, some people have said, oh, just return it. But that's not an honest way to do business either. So uh, and eventually I think, you know, the the, the companies you're buying from would, would get wise to you after you've bought 12 things and returned them all. Um, so I uh, decided, you know what, let's see if I can make a profit by buying, reselling at a loss, but getting enough viewership to counteract the the loss in, in the sale of the item. And that's been working out really well so far. Um, and so I, I do that, um, uh, which is one of these Chinese, uh, distribution companies that sells all the stuff from China you can't get here. Um, they will send things to the channel and, and, and that helps. Um, so what's nice about that arrangement, it's very similar to the Amazon arrangement in that there's no direct contact with the brand that's manufacturing it. So you have a, um, a separation from the company here. So, you know, those things are helpful too. And, and, and those have been going pretty well, but I would say, you know, you may have to take a little financial risk and what's been nice about the things that I buy is that generally a $200 laptop is going to get a ton more traffic than a, a $5,000 laptop will. Right. So you can afford, you know, you can afford to do it if, if you're willing to take the risk. And this is the thing, sometimes you got to take a little bit of risk or spend a little bit of money. Um, and that risk, you know, is measurable. Uh, so I didn't go out and buy $15,000 worth of cheap laptops. I bought one, I reviewed it, sold it, and bought another one, <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, and you know, three months later when I could look back and measure it, it, it worked out and that's what I've been doing. So, you know, a lot of these things I'm going to buy, I've got a couple laptops now, I'm hoping to get rid of. Um, and you know, one of the things I also was able to do as the subscriber base grew is, um, rather than sell through eBay or Amazon, where there's a huge, um, a huge fee that goes to those platforms. I sell through square. They have an online store feature so i'm paying a very little amount in credit card fees versus the 18 or 20% sometimes that ebay and paypal will, will thing you for so it's been working out pretty well.
1: Love that, and I think that's a great idea and a great alternative to, to to getting things in, reviewing them, and then finding a way to get you know a percentage of your money back. Well, Lon, as I knew, it would be another great conversation with you about all things YouTube. Uh, I want to wish you uh, publicly continued success. Uh, I keep track of what you're doing just because you do a lot of similar stuff as far as technology-wise, and I, I love uh, watching your weekly recap videos, so
0: if you would, let our audience know where they can find you on the internet. So they can find me at lon.tv. That will take you right to the YouTube channel. I, I One of the things I need to do is build myself a, a separate web presence, but uh, yeah, there's only so much time in the day. <laughs> so um, so YouTube is my, my primary spot right now, but I have uh, Facebook pages and podcasts and everything else. So uh, if you go to uh, lon.tv, anywhere you're, you're looking for media, typically you'll find me there.
1: Awesome. And guys, as always, all of those links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume your podcast, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. We're all over the internet hit that subscribe button so every single Wednesday you get an update when we release a new episode and guys until next week we'll talk to you later you've been listening to the YouTube creators podcast we want to thank you and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as support us on Patreon for great perks such as having your YouTube channel featured on the show and a link on our website until next time keep uploading those videos